When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. We're not quite looking ahead to the big semi-final that we all thought we might be, but there's still a couple of Scotland games coming up for us to get our teeth into. Gordon Sheerk and Ben Ramage are on the other side of my laptop screen as normal. Thanks for joining me, guys. Poland at Hamden on Thursday. Seems like ticket sales are going well. So a retweet earlier suggesting that we're over 30,000 now. I think near 35,000 odd. Tickets for mm-hmm. a friendly at Hamden on a Thursday, that's pretty good. I suppose quite a few people will already have maybe taken the night or the, the following day off, considering what it was meant to be against Ukraine. But it'll be good to have Hamden um, fairly full for the friendly on Thursday. So here we are, as normal, to give it a wee preview, talk about some of the new boys, which doesn't always happen with the Steve Clark squad, and maybe think about the opportunities they could be given over the next couple of games. Remember, Scotland will play next week as well against either the loser, well, against the loser of Austria against Wales, um, away from home. The winner will progress to the final, who we will hopefully play towards the summer or in the summer. So Gordon and Ben, I put out a call on Twitter earlier for talking points, new boys starting 11, who's not involved, what do you want to see this week, what would you regard as progress or a success, and I have to say the main talking point coming from it seems to be the goalkeepers because David Marshall was back in the squad, he hadn't played much this season at all really at Derby, got him out to QPR started playing again in the English Championship and he was called into the team but then he suffered a tendon injury in his hamstring area I think at the weekend which means he's out for not just this game, but the rest of the season, quite sadly for David Marshall. So um, he's not going to be involved for the foreseeable. And Liam Kelly and Xander Clark are the two other keepers in the squad behind Craig Gordon. So we'll come to you first, Ben. Craig Gordon is the undisputed number one. He can't last forever, as we have forebodingly spoken about um, more than once in this podcast. David Marshall is a couple of years younger than him, but you know he's on the same path towards retirement. Liam Kelly and Xander Clark seem to be the next two that Clark is prioritised to get them used to being around the squad. Is now the time for one of them to get a first cap? Uh, I think I like the idea that we're going to use these two games to try and continue the good form that we've been on. We've been on really good form and that's one of the main reasons it was such a shame, obviously, that we couldn't get the semi-final played this time around because... I feel like going into that off the back of the Denmark game would have been perfect for us. Obviously, that's not happened. We've got two friendlies instead. For me, I would still like to see us take them as as seriously as we can and try and keep that winning mentality going. 
And for me, Craig Gordon has been a really big part of why we've been so so much better defensively. He he is a world class keeper on his day. Um, so I I could see them maybe getting an appearance, uh, maybe even more in the second game. But for me, I would almost be treating Poland as a competitive game and trying to keep this winning run going. So for me, I would be keeping Gordon uh, in the sticks. I'm with you there, Ben. I actually think that Clark will go as full strength as he, as he possibly can against Poland and treat it as if the boys are coming back into the fold off the back of the Denmark friendly and treat it as if it were a huge game, uh, as was originally hoped for. But in the second game, do you think it makes sense, Gordon, to give probably Kelly, he was the first one in the squad, or maybe Xander Clark, but probably Kelly, 45 minutes? Yeah, at, at least. Um, I certainly saw someone on Twitter suggesting, apologies, I didn't note down who said, suggested this, that you know you could see Craig Gordon playing the 90 against uh, Poland and then have Clark and Kelly get 45 each in the second game. I think you're absolutely right. I think it makes absolute sense to treat Poland as a dress rehearsal for what a home playoff semi-final could be. Obviously, knowing that we're going to have a good crowd, we're hopefully going to push beyond 40,000 at the game. You know, you want to put on, this is a crowd that's turning up now, expecting that a Scotland team are going to deliver a performance, you know, as opposed to hoping that they'll they'll get a result and praying that they'll get a result. You know, this team has built confidence and the fans have gone with them. So, yeah, I, I think it's important, as Ben says, to keep that momentum going as much as possible and to get a positive result on Thursday night. And then, yeah, when it comes to the away game, Austria-Wales, uh, yeah, I, I think it's that's maybe the time that we start to look towards the future. And as we said, you know, Craig Gordon's going to be 40 at Christmas this year. So we do really need to, this has been on the horizon for a while. We really need to start to think about who is the future Scotland number one. Does that sit not too badly then with you, Ben? If Clark or Kelly plays some parts in the away game next week? Yeah, I think the away game, there's a lot less pressure on it's also going to be quite a strange game because they're going to be so deflated, the opposition team, from having missed out on their shot of getting to the World Cup. So for me, I don't know how much you're really going to learn from that. For me, the Poland one at home, that's, you know, Poland, you look at the sort of players they've got, obviously Lewandowski, We, if we take our foot off the gas against them, I think there's a, a lot bigger scope for a much worse result that could actually have more of an effect on us. Uh, than we would like. To be to, to be fair, to be fair, Ben, I, I do almost have to wonder what kind of mindset are Poland going to be turning up in? Because I mean, you know, bear in mind they've they've got a bye to a playoff final next week. So I'd actually be surprised if they put out a particularly strong team or really try and go up through the gears against us. Because why would you want to risk your top guys potentially missing your one-off match to get to a World Cup next week? Do you not think, though, that they, yeah. they'll, be, they'll be coming in off the back of a three-and-a-half, four-month break as well, though? They, he might, the manager, is it still, is it still uh, Paolo Sosa? No? Um, no, I don't think it is anymore. Um, but the, the Poland manager might might want his team to hit the ground running again, almost use our game as a warm-up for yeah. the, the big final next week against the Swedes or the Czechs, is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's hard. It's just it's very hard to just be like, right, well, we're going to try really hard this game and then not try the next game. I think it's much more about building that momentum. And I think I'd be very surprised. I could I totally understand that Poland may rest a few of their key players, but they will also not want to go into this on the back 
of a fairly heavy defeat you know that for for the mental side of it i don't think that's what they would they'd be they'd be wanting to go into that game uh, in i'm actually looking at the the Poland squads right now um, and we were we were fearful of them i think when we did our look ahead to the draw for the semi final none of us really wanted Poland to end up in our path did we i think we were quite worried yeah. about them but I know it can sometimes be dangerous to judge a player solely on where they play their football or who for, but looking at the Poland setup, that they're playing for clubs that I would say are certainly not in a bracket above the the teams that our boys are largely playing for. They do have um, a striker who's got a good goal-scoring return for them, Karol Swiderski, who plays in MLS. He's got six goals and 14 caps. He's had to pull out of this squad injured, but apart from that, they've they've kind of just got players dotted around the sort of Europa League level of Europe at best, really, apart from Lewandowski up front, I suppose. But apart from that, it's, you know, Fiorentina, Marseille, Dynamo Moscow, Napoli, EAK Athens, mm. Villa, Schalke. Like, is is that really a bit, a bit of a red herring to what Poland can offer? Yeah, possibly. But then I think you look at, you look at the number of caps these players have got, and they've got several players in that team that have got 60 plus caps so this is a team that are pretty well established yeah. playing together so yeah i think you've always got to got to worry about about that more than anything that these guys they, wherever they're playing now they've got a lot of experience playing together which is hopefully the path our team is on given the consistency that clark likes to to give them you know yeah well one boy that is well on his way to that amount of caps is Andy Robertson, but he won't be adding to his collection on Thursday. The old COVID has got him. Um, sure, he'll be okay. I'm hope, I hope he is. Now, this is interesting because let's let's be certain he's the captain. He starts the game if he's fit. Does Kieran Tierney stay as a left centre back, and we substitute Andy Robertson with one of the other left wing backs in the squad, i.e., either Greg Taylor or Aaron Hickeyman? Uh, I would. I would argue for keeping Tierney where he, you know, where he plays for us normally. I, I don't see a massive benefit. I think we know that he could play at left wing back. We know that he can play that role. We've seen him do it and excel in it. Um, I think it's it's more important for him to stay in that role and keep drilling into that that role for the national team that he is always going to play if Robertson is fit. Um, and I also think it's a good opportunity to see Taylor, see if Taylor is international level. I think he could well be, but. We need to see it happen and playing in a game, uh, a good crowd against Poland, against a good team. I think it'll be a good a good opportunity for him. What's your instinct telling you, Shia? Is it going to be Taylor or Hickey on the left to replace Andy Robertson? Because there was chat that Hickey's opportunity might have to come on the right and now all of a sudden there's a door open for him. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't honestly see that. I mean, there's there, there are people that follow follow Hickey's career through in Italy far more closely than I, than I do. And they've, they say that, look, he plays left wing back for Bologna. He has filled in a handful of times at right wing back and it's not been particularly successful as an experiment. He maybe did it once or twice when he was at Hearts. The whole, there is a, a school of thought that people like to hammer home that, oh, but he's two footed, therefore he can play on either side. And I just don't think it's as simple as that. Therefore, I think for Hickey, Hickey's should be seen right now as the understudy to Andy Robertson, given where Hickey already is in his career, playing every week in one of the biggest leagues in the world at such a young age. And as we've established, Kieran Tierney being first choice left-sided centre-back in the depth chart, that puts Hickey second to Robertson. Having said that, 
my sense would say I think it'll be Greg Taylor starting on Thursday night against Poland. I, I'm I just I'm not sure after only a handful, a couple of days of training, I, I'm not sure I can see Clark putting Hickey in from the start. If he does, if he's impressed him that much in training, fantastic. We've got a player on our hands. But I think you're more likely to see Hickey off the bench or maybe next week. Yeah, I have to say I'm aligned with you on that one, Gordon, because I know that Greg Taylor and Steve Clark shared a really good relationship back from the Kilmarnock days. Um, Taylor's seen as a big part of the squad by Clark, not not solely because he's a talented player, but because apparently he's a bit of a glue in the dressing room uh, and somebody that can create a bit of an atmosphere um, around the place. So I think that his patience probably might get rewarded with a fair bit of game time here now that Andy Robertson mm-hmm. isn't going to be involved because for some time Taylor's been the understudy, hasn't he? I mean, we we have to recognise now that Tierney's in that squad list as a centre-half. He's not there as Andy Robertson's deputy on the left-hand side. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that uh, Greg Taylor will start against Poland and maybe Hickey will play the next game. Um, but there's a question that came in from, let me just pull it up here. It was just uh, at SPFL fan on Twitter asking if Hickey's reluctance to play for the 21s and however that situation transpired should impact his credentials to play for and be included with the first team, Gordon? No. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I, I appreciate <laughs> there is a there is a, a feeling amongst a lot of fans, and a lot of fans did not take particularly kindly to Hickey's non appearances for the twenty ones, if we'll call them that, because sometimes he wasn't picked, and sometimes he was, and he withdrew from squads, or was it was agreed he wouldn't be selected. Um, but I think from where I'm sitting, you know. The twenty ones as a youth as a youth development tool is is important and is crucial. But when you consider where Hickey is in his career, he may only be nineteen and still eligible eligible for the twenty ones. But he's quite clearly, in terms of his progression through professional football to playing first team adult top level football in a top league, he has gone beyond the twenty ones level. And I know people like to make the the connection to look Billy Gilmore, he turned out he played for the 21s when he was incredibly young, but Billy Gilmore wasn't playing the first team football that, that uh, Aaron Hickey is and also wasn't playing football abroad like Aaron Hickey is with the travel and with COVID and et cetera. So like, I, I, I don't care, to be honest with you. I, I th- I'm, glad, I'm glad that Hickey is now in the first team. He'll hopefully get his cap this week and then we could just move on from ever thinking about him as a 21s player the same way that we did last year with Nathan Patterson and Billy Gilmore that they are no longer considered as 21s players because they're just first team level and it doesn't matter what age they are. Ben, is this a non-event for you as well? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think the fact is he is better than the under 21s um, and a lot of people will say you know, that that's an ego thing and that he shouldn't think that he's better than that but the, the, the cold reality is that he is better than that. You know, you don't play in a Serie A and score that many goals and put in those kind of performances if you're not that level. Um, I think Gordon's totally right. If if he was playing at a bigger club and he wasn't playing in the first team at all, if he wasn't getting any minutes, then absolutely. If he'd gone to go Bayern, through. for example, if he, if he had yes. gone to Bayern and he was in Bayern's like B team in the third division in Germany or whatever, then yeah, maybe that's the route he goes down. Exactly. 
but it was interesting, you know, because he turned Bayern down because he wanted to go Bologna because he thought he was assured he would get more first first team minutes there, and he thought that that would help him progress, and that's exactly how he's played out. So which, I don't think that should be held against him. Which which, which the funny thing though, Ben, it seems like every there was a good good write up on him in, on on the BBC's website this week, and it seems like every career decision he's made, even wind it further back, has been to do with how do I get the path to first-team football as quickly as possible? Because he was, he was at Celtic before, and he left Celtic to go to Hearts because he could see the pathway to first-team football. And that's exactly what turned out for him. So, you know, this isn't just a one-off decision about the 21s. Like, he's been making these kind of decisions at every stage of his career. Yeah, 100%. And having watched him uh, when Hearts played Celtic in the Scottish Cup, and he became the youngest ever player at 16, and he was Hearts... He was, if not Hart's best player, at least one of their best players. He did not look like a 16-year-old. He looked like a young 20-year-old that was absolutely supposed to be playing in a Scottish Cup final. So, okay, maybe he does think that he's better than the under-21s, but at the end of the day, he is now in the in the senior team. For me, he's clearly got the the talent and the capability. So let's see. Let's see how he does. Yeah, he's he's Talk to talk silently, I suppose you could say. Um, but now he's got to go and, and walk it on the pitch and show everyone that he is deserving of a place in the in the Scotland first team. Um, so good luck to him. It's, it's good to always see young players get an opportunity, one that I think he has earned, given his performances and the level that he's playing at. I, I think it's easy to understand why his opposition to playing for the 21s could annoy some people because, you know, it's seen as a great opportunity and a privilege to pull on your country's jersey. Etc. But um, now that he's, he's he's got what he wants, he's got to go and prove himself uh, correct now, uh, and and make us even stronger in the left back position than we than we already are. Um, let's uh, move on a lot across the defence. Then we'll we'll just work our way through the team chronologically as we normally do, and we'll get to Ross Stewart um, towards the end of the pod. Craig Halkett's been called up for the first time. Ben, I think you're the go-to man in the pod for this, benefiting. Uh, Quite ironically and sadly from his partner in crime's injury, John Sutter, I'm sure, would have been in the team. He's not, so in comes Craig Halkett. He's been pretty good for Hearts, I suppose. Deserving of a call-up. Yeah, pretty good is an understatement for me. It's interesting, the, the journey that he's taken, because last season he was sort of seen as a bit of a bomb scare and he was sometimes you know, thought of as one of the, the weaknesses in Hearts' defence. But while all the talk was about Suter earlier in the season, it was only when Halkett was injured that Hart's defence really fell to pieces. And that made it really clear that Halkett is actually the kind of glue that makes that three-man defence for Hart's work. Um, And he can equally play very competently as part of a two as well. Um, So, yeah, I think it's totally deserved. Um, Hart's are obviously quite clear in third at the moment. Um, He scored some, some pretty important goals for Hart's this season. Uh, thinking of the one against Rangers particularly. He's he's got a big game mentality and he's very, very solid, very solid, um, sort of an old fashioned centre back, not too fancy, but you need guys like that, especially in a three man defence when you're wanting the other two to push on. So I think Clark has obviously seen that and thought, yeah, this guy will fit into the system. On the right hand side of a three? Well, I would probably play him as the the middle of the three if you were if you were choosing, but I think he can play that side as well. Okay. 
Gordon, Clark's shown that he's not afraid to do this. He's given a few call-ups to players from throughout the leagues, thinking Andy Constein, thinking Paul Hanlon. He had Stuart Finlay in there as well, near the start of his reign. This isn't against form for him. No, it's not. It's not. And look, we we are certainly fairly well blessed now with uh, with options at the back. Obviously, we've got a fairly. This is a, a a pretty. You know, I guess if this was a competitive game, you'd be talking about an injury crisis at the back. You know, the fact that Cooper's not available, Suter's not available, McKenna's not available. Like those are three dependable options. But it's it, you can always have more. And I think, as Ben says, you know, a guy who is playing great football for a big team in Scotland, having a pretty decent season for, for for Hearts and he plays in a back three so it, it just makes absolute perfect sense that he, he'll he be able to slot straight in and I, yeah a great great option to have Well we have a question on Twitter to do with the defence from the Real Selbs who is asking about the left hand side of the back three because if KT is injured there's, there's no one really there to step in with the injuries to Cooper and McKenna I think we've spoken before that if Tierney gets injured, the whole thing becomes a bogey, really, the back three idea. Right. Um, but the, the other centre-halves that are in the squad at the minute are Grant Hanley, Jack Hendry uh, and Craig Halkett. So none of them are particularly well-versed in that role, it's fair, it's fair to say, Gordon. So what the hell do we do if, if, if Tierney hurts himself? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, that, that was obviously the problem that we faced in the first game of the Euros and it was Liam Cooper who tried to fill KT's boots and no one can. No no one can replicate what Tierney does for this Scotland team. Um, obviously, you looking at the squad as well, you're probably also considering Scott McTominay as yeah, a defender. Course, yeah. yeah, sure. You know, sure. again, we'll get into the midfield, but I just it's so hard to see where McTominay fits into that midfield um, with the options that we've got there. So... Yeah, left side of left side of that back three is is a really hard one to fill if it's if it's not Kieran Tierney. Well, we did have a, a question. He's, I don't think he's quite a left centre half, but um, we did get a question on Twitter um, asking what Ryan Porteous has to do to get in the Scotland setup. He's he's not there yet for me. I know he's been included in a couple of squads, but I'm I'm not considering. Porteous is a, a Scotland starter quite yet. Declan Gallagher's drip has fallen away as well uh, from Steve Clark's plans at the minute. Ben, have you got anyone else to to throw our way? Uh, no, not, not not particularly. I don't think. I think the Porteous one. There's obviously a good centre back in Porteous, but he's showing time and time again that he's not overly reliable. You know, the Hibs. There's been big games for Hibs, and he's you know rash decisions, red cards. Um, his off the field behavior, you know, has been in the papers as well recently. I think if he could, if he could sort of concentrate on the football and just try and cut out some of those mistakes, then yes. But to get to international level, you need to be a lot more reliable uh, than he is kind of proving himself to be at the moment. As far as left-sided centre halves go, actually, Gordon, if Considine hadn't done his knee back at the start of the season, um, he probably would have been one that had come in to to, to be able to deputise should Tierney have to go off injured. But I noticed that Constein was back in the Aberdeen squad at the weekend against Hibs, so hopefully not too far um, away for a return for him. Um, on to the right-hand side of the defence. Um, I suppose we can talk about this over the two games because people seem to still have an issue with O'Donnell getting called up. Um, I understand that the team he's playing for isn't doing so well. 
uh, and even he hasn't been guaranteed game time for them um, over the last couple of months. But neither has Nathan Patterson down at Ed- Everton. 45 minutes, I think he's played, but it's Patterson's jersey at the minute. I think it's probably fair to say that, given the impact he's made for Scotland in his seven or eight caps, whatever it is. The one for me that I'm surprised about is is Anthony Ralston, Gordon. Um, I thought that after coming in and making his five-minute debut against Denmark and then showing um, a consistent form since then, albeit, albeit in and out of the starting 11, he's getting a lot of game time. But he might have uh, snuck into this one as well. Yeah, you're right. That that is a surprise. Certainly, you know we've we've seen players come into squads and then just be able to impress either in training or on the pitch enough to just retain their place in their squad, kind of almost regardless of what they're doing at club level. You know, Billy Gilmore and Nathan Patterson being perfect examples of that. I think I think Steve, Stephen O'Donnell, look, he's obviously an interesting one. You know, he's almost become the kind of player where what he's doing at club level doesn't really seem to matter anymore because Hang on. I, I, I still just don't think he's ever let Scotland down. Like he's had a couple of one or two games where he wasn't wonderful, but he's more than made up for them with games where he's absolutely run through brick walls for this team when he's not been fit, he's not been healthy, he's but he's still turned up and delivered. And clearly that is the kind of attitude that Steve Clark wants to foster among every player in the team. You know, that's why Lyndon Dykes is still in the squad, even though he's probably not fit because Dykes yeah. is just desperate to come away with Scotland every single opportunity. So yeah, O'Donnell, I've got, I've got no issue with him continuing in the squad because as you said, it's Patterson's jersey. And again, Patterson's time will come at Everton and he will get those minutes, but... Clark has, has decided he's a special player and he will be the future of that position for Scotland. So just keep picking him and keep keep calling him up. There's no, there's no reason not to. Yeah, the train keeps pulling into the station for us, Ben, but we'll say it again. Serbia away. Um, England away. Austria away. And Denmark at home. O'Donnell played in all of those. They were all massive games for us. And O'Donnell started and played in every single one of them. So although his domestic form or his team's domestic form, maybe both in the same bracket, can be brought in, brought into question this season, I don't think his international credentials can be truly questioned anymore. No, I, I totally agree. And I think the, the thing is, Clark will look at his players of what they gave him in the last camp, because that's the only time that he actually gets with them. So he's not gonna he's not gonna forget what O'Donnell has done for him, and you know the fans shouldn't either. You know, when we had no other option, O'Donnell kind of came in, and some of the performances put in have been superb. So I have absolutely no problem with him being in the squad. As we kind of touched on, Patterson Patterson has star quality that O'Donnell will maybe never have. I remember interviewing O'Donnell a few years ago, and he said that there were better players in his youth team in Wishaw, where he grew up, but he worked harder. He was always the hardest working. And maybe there's a lesson in that, that you're not always going to be the most talented player, but if you put in the most work and make sure that you're consistent, like he has, then you can reach the level that he has. And, you know, as as Gordon says, the, the sort of character and the sort of drives that he has, that will filter into the other players. So it will do Patterson absolutely no harm to be around O'Donnell and have O'Donnell pushing him, you know, that's that will hopefully help Patterson in the long run too. I think we may well see both of them get game time here over the next uh, over the next week or so because 
Patterson's match sharpness. I know he'll have been playing PL2 football or, or whatever it's called down there, but you know, doing that and training is different to playing in a first team environment week in, week out. And although O'Donnell's found himself in and out of the team over the since the winter break ended, um he's he's playing more often than he's not. And I think he'll be sharper, I think, for a game of international football than Nathan Patterson would be, albeit Nathan Patterson's contribution since he came into the setup cannot be understated in the slightest. I mean, he set up some vital goals for us and scored one of even bigger importance really over in Moldova to get us going. Um, on the day that we sealed the, the playoff. So it'll be interesting to see how Clark prioritises them both um, and who and who gets the jersey against Poland. Now, we'll, we'll make our way into the middle of the park now. I'm going to throw a bombshell at you guys. Um, Ryan Jack starts with Cal McGregor for me on Thursday. That, so, there's Al Gilmore. Yeah, Gilmore on the bench. So I say, anyway. Jeez, oh. What's your what's your what's your beef with Billy? I show you working. So, uh, I think it's more. It's, it's not really beef with Billy. I think it's more um, how impressed I am with the way that Jack has come back from such a long layoff um, mm. and his performances in Europe. And and granted, Gilmore and McGregor have struck up a nice partnership for us um, and done well for Scotland. I go back to the Serbia game and the way that Jack and McGregor were together, and I really grudge the fact that they were split up. I know that Gilmore then came into the team, but I grudge the fact that Gilmore and uh, that McGregor and Jack were split up when Jack uh, got his injury last spring or February, whenever it was, because I thought they, they could really have gone on to be something. And I think that, that Thursday, given that Jack is now at it again, full whack, let's put him back in next to McGregor because I think that Gilmore, albeit sensationally talented player, um, He's not been playing too much, or I, I, I have to say, I don't know how well he's been doing at Norwich. Um, I know the team aren't doing great things, but um, I think that Jack's recovery and his form warrants uh, a go from the start next to McGregor. The pair of them have shown that they can play very well together. Yeah, I, I think for me, that's the argument why it'll be it should be Ryan Jack and Billy Gilmore alongside each other because I think you're absolutely right Jack coming back from injury could probably do with extra games and do with do with more miles in the legs and I just think that you know Cal McGregor he is probably perfectly suited to sit one out because you know studies keep showing that you know there's probably there are few players in Europe that play more minutes every season than Cal McGregor it's unbelievable how many games he plays so probably fair enough that he sits one out you know we know exactly what we're going to get out of him and Billy He's only got 10 caps, he's only 20, he's still building, he's still growing as much as he has massively impressed for Scotland. I think there's still so much more to see from him, so I'd be wanting to give Billy as many minutes as possible. And yeah, I, th- I think Jack could be a perfect replacement for for McGregor, so let's let's go with that combo. What about you, Ben? I like that. I wasn't, when you first said it, I wasn't sure, but now that I've sort of because it is a friendly at the end of the day. And I totally agree with the Gilmore minutes because I think Gilmore could genuinely be a superstar for us. He's already shown signs of that. So for me, keep playing him, keep getting him used to Hamden, keep getting him used to the pressure of being the guy that has to make stuff tick for us because he's shown that he can do that. You know, at such a young age, he has bossed international matches. You know, for me, 
keep keep playing him. Make sure that he just keeps on that role because we're going to need him uh, in the the semi. Ryan Jack was superb for Scotland before his injury. Like he he has always been very good for Scotland. Um, so I, I think I think Jack and Gilmore because as as you say, McGregor. We know what McGregor what McGregor gives now. So there is an there's an element of how much more you're going to learn from that. Whereas let's see if Jack can slot back in. I'm almost certain that he will because you look at his performances for Rangers recently and they have been very, very good. So try a new partnership rather than revert to an old one. Well, the thing is, we know that McGregor and Gilmore works. So if they're both fit and firing and it works... We know that McGregor and Jack works. Yeah. So this is the third. This could be the third partnership that we we try out. I I can't see it not working. Because I think they balance really well. You know, Jack's a bit more defensive. Gilmore's a bit more creative. Now, we're discounting Scott McTominay from this band completely. I am. I, 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 and it, I think is, it's hard to, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think now I'm comfortable enough to admit that uh, I, I would have probably had McTominay walk into the team even two years, a year, or a year, or maybe two years ago, just purely on the fact that he played for Man U, I was probably looking at it that way, thinking, "Oh wow, this is great." But um, if we are to organise our strongest eleven, or even the, the best eleven for for Thursday, in my opinion, like yeah, McTominay's. I don't think McTominay's in there. I think yeah, you could I make could... an argument for him at right centre back potentially. Well, either, on... either, I mean, Ben, I mean, I, in our strongest 11, yeah. I would have Hendry and probably Suter there. But I, there's a few people that I've spoken to, though, that that say when Scotland are going to be dominating the ball, then play McTominay at right centre-half because you can almost mm-hmm. join on as an extra midfielder now and again and yeah. his distribution is, is too valuable to ignore. I guess yeah. Poland, I'm not so sure about that, um, or just generally speaking, but... Um, when it comes to ideal midfield partnerships, I'm now leaving McTominay out the equation. Um, I don't know if that is too radical for you guys, or if you're thinking similarly. No, I, I think I think I'm on I'm on the same lines as you. But then it just shows how good our options are. That you know, there's still Armstrong, there's still McLean, there's still Lewis Ferguson in the squad that haven't even had a sniff yet. You know, and. Yeah, it just shows you just how how strong our options are, but also how established our our partnerships are. That you know, that if you were to say who's your who's who's who is our midfield three, it's it's McGregor, Gilmore, McGinn, and that's just the the best three that we've got and the most established three. And it's a shame for everyone else, but but they're they're playing the best together. Right, let's move a bit further up the field again. Then the. Attacking options for Scotland are an interesting one because we never really know if Clark's going to partner Mr. Numero Uno and Gordon Sheik's eyes, She Adams, with <laughs> another striker or if he'll have two midfielders just slightly deeper. Um, it's kind of gone between it over the, the last year to 18 months or so. He's put dykes up there sometimes. Now and again, it'll be Christie and McGinn off him or McGinn and Armstrong. Maybe even Jacob Brown this time. Who knows? Um, or maybe he'll play big Ross Stewart up there next to Shea Adams. What way do you see this going? Um, we should say that Lyndon Dykes is in the squad, but he's missed the last six games for QPR with, I think it's a hamstring injury. So chances of him playing on Thursday 
certainly seem to be null. Um, could be a perfect opportunity for Ross Stewart to get thrown in. I have to say, I can't really see it, and I would expect him to play Adams with McGinn and either Christie or Armstrong um, just off him. Gordon, what do you think? Yeah, I think when you look at the the performance and you look at the precedent that was set in the games against Moldova and Denmark back in November, I think that system of playing with one central striker with two midfielders sort of playing off him on either side, I think that looks like it's going to be the system that we persist with, especially when you've got a guy as strong and talented and bloody handsome as Shea Adams <laughs> through the middle. So, yeah, I, th- I think your prediction is absolutely bang on. I think it will be Shea Adams through the middle and I think it will be Armstrong and McGinn supporting him. Always a potential for Christie as well. Christie has obviously played in those positions regularly before. But as we said before, with, with further down the pitch, I think we want to see some variation over, over these two games. And I think when it comes to guys like Jacob Brown and Ross Stewart, I would like to see them get plenty of minutes. Yeah, specifically in the second game, Ben, I think that's where we might see more of a shake-up um, in terms of opportunities. Maybe in midfield, enemy people like Lewis Ferguson coming in to get more than just five minutes this day. Maybe he'll get 20, for example, and get given a good opportunity to at least try and make a mark on a game. Up front, maybe similar. Jacob Brown, I think he's... Oh, God, five minutes as well. Maybe he came on for, didn't he? Um, certainly can't have been much more than that. Uh, and Ross Stewart uncapped. I, th- I'm, I have to say, I'm very, very pleasantly surprised about the form of Ross Stewart down south and the way that he's taken to Sunderland. Massive expectations down there, especially in League One. They've been expecting to get out of it for, well, this must be their third, maybe even fourth season now. I'm not quite sure off the top of my head. Um, but he's got... 22 league goals and 39 league games. He's not in the best of form at the minute. He's only scored in three of his last 13 games, but generally throughout the season, he's gone down there and firmly embedded himself as the first-choice striker and, and an absolute goal scorer. Um, didn't quite foresee that transition when he was at County. I thought, you know, this guy's pretty decent for the level he's at at the moment, but I'm not sure I'll ever see him go down and make his mark Um well, he's not in the championship just now, but potentially make his make his mark in the championship down in England. But he looks to be on that path. How much of him would you like to see over the next couple of games as a new call-up? Yeah, I, I I think I agree totally. I think it'll be the status quo. It'll be Adams up front with two off him and McGinn. I like McGinn having that space further forward, having the onus on him to go and press and be more creative. And Armstrong obviously can link up well with Adams. Um, I would really like to see Stuart come off the bench uh, on Thursday, get his, get his debut, and then maybe even start uh, the away game. I think you can't have too many attacking options. And I think we don't have that many natural goal scorers at the moment. And I know people say that Sunderland are in League One, but they've got an average attendance of about 30,000. Um, you know, And it's, it's a decent standard of league. So it's not like he's not used to playing under pressure. You know, he is he is charged with being their goal scorer every week. Um, and he's he's obviously not too bad at finding the back of the net. So I so I really want us to see see how he makes that step up because you see it with strikers all the time. If they can just get one, you know, he might nick a goal and then you know suddenly that, that lights a fire under him and he's you know are you then classed as an international striker? You probably are. So yeah, I, I really hope to see him get you know, hopefully 20, 30 minutes on Thursday night. And it also gives you an option if you're, say, if we're losing and we're, we're chasing the game, you could put him up alongside Adams 
and see how they work as a partnership. Yeah, he's he's fairly good age as well, Gordon. He's 25, Ross Stewart. He's, it's a great story. I, I remember researching when he played for Ross County, researching him um, when I was doing a Kelly against Ross County game. And when he moved to Albion Rovers from Cowinan Rangers, who are the West of Scotland Junior League, his dad paid the transfer fee that Cowinan were demanding from Rovers because Rovers couldn't afford to pay any money for him. But they were so desperate for him to make the step up into the senior leagues, his dad forked out his own pocket. Um, and he's, well, now reached almost the pinnacle. Of, the, the minute he pulls on that jersey, he's reached the pinnacle of Scottish football, really representing your country. So it's a great story for Ross Stewart. Um, and at 25, hopefully many more pages to turn. Jacob Brown as well, a good age. He's 23. He's doing well for Stoke this season. I don't see much championship football apart from you know the goals on, on Sky Sports News and stuff, but he's got 10 and 37 in the championship this season. Gordon, that's pretty impressive, no? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and, and just to sort of finish off on Ross Stewart, I think you're you're absolutely right. You have to respect guys that come from that kind of level and just absolutely fight and graft their way through every opportunity they get and take up, you know, they have no choice but to take every step up in their stride. And he's quite clearly done that. He's come from, like you said, juniors to lower leagues in Scotland to Scottish Premiership, now down to England. League One, look, Ben's spot on, you know, Sunderland, Yes, they're in the, in the third tier of English football, but they are a historically massive club, huge stadium, big crowd, massive expectations. So he will be walking in to playing for Scotland, knowing what, knowing what it's going to be like having a big crowd behind you and expectant of you to succeed. And let's, let's, let's not forget, Gordon, Lauren Shankland was called up, I'm pretty sure, when he was scoring goals in the Championship up here in Scotland. Yeah. So yeah. it's well, not like we can turn our nose up at somebody who's no, scoring goals in in League One in England, which I think on the whole generally is probably similarly leveled to our top flight up here if you were to put yep. it all into one big melting pot. So, for example, Nisbet was banging them in, rewarded with a call-up. Um, I see you laughing at melting pot there. Uh, if uh, Nisbet was called up um, yep. for Hibs when he was doing well, I think there's you've probably got justifiable cause to call up Ross Stewart if he's doing well at Sunderland. Oh, 100%, 100%. And I think certainly when you consider those those central strikers for Scotland, the third place is is kind of always been fluid and no one has really nailed their name to that board. I mean, obviously, Shea Adams is number one and Lyndon Dykes is absolutely in. And Dykes, you know, he, he did what you were saying we hope Ross Stewart can do. You know, in Dykes' first four caps, he got two goals. And then all of a sudden, he's established in the team and he can score for us and he keeps in, he keeps in. And, you know... You're right, we've had so many different guys. You know, you've had a bit of Nisbet, a bit of Shankland, a bit of McBurney, a bit of Ollie Burke. You know, there's a lot of players that have come through that central striker position under Steve Clark and just haven't quite made themselves undroppable. And it's a big opportunity for Ross Stewart, and I really hope he takes it. And and the same, the same for Jacob Brown, even though you know I would see Brown as more one of the guys to play off the central striker because that's that tends to be how he plays at, uh, at Stoke where actually often he's supporting Stephen Fletcher up front um, yeah it just you know these these games they may not be the big big games we hoped they would be but there's still a lot of pressure on some guys in this squad to to make sure that they're in that squad for the, the summer we've got on on Jacob Brown's transfer marked profile um, looking at his championship appearances this season they, they all say CF centre forward, but it's a 3 5 2 mm. that Stoke seem to play, not like the 3 4 3 that Scotland play. Yeah. So, 
as Stephen Fletcher or Josh Maja that they'll have up front and Brown technically up there with them, but maybe hanging off the shoulder as a second striker rather than a centre forward. Or after I admit I don't know, is it a three-five-two and the two is like an old York and Cole up there together? No, I, I think it is more the first one. I think it is more that Brown is playing the supporting role, running the channels, playing off the shoulder, supporting a more traditional centre 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 forward. Okay, well, um, yeah, I have to say, I think I'm, I'm excited to see more from from Jacob Brown for Scotland. Um, he's only got one cap, and it, I think it was was it Moldova away? Again, yeah, it was five head, five minutes. Five it minutes. Wasn't long. So yeah, um, good opportunity for him here, especially with the injuries to Nisbet and Lyndon Dykes, and C Adams should and probably will start um, against Poland. But it'll be interesting to see how much game time the other guys are afforded. Um, and also- and and of course, even though obviously we are focusing on the players in the squad, obviously it was uh, I was personally quite surprised that Ryan Fraser is not in the squad. Yeah, which which Clark's alluded to is because of what happened the last time the squad were were due to meet up. Is that right? Where Ryan Fraser wasn't fit to play, and then was pictured training with Newcastle the very next day or that week. Um, and Clark did say though that they'd had a chat about it. Fraser had apologised. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this occasion, Clark opted to leave him out. I'm not sure if that's, you know, as punishment for <laughs> for Fraser. Um, yeah. Opting not to join up with the squad and, and basically like, okay, your selection on the future is going to be purely based on your form at club level, which is not always how Steve Clark operates. You know, your form at club level is not paramount to your inclusion in a squad, but he's now openly said in front of the journals that, that's how he'll view Ryan Fraser's future with Scotland based on how he's doing with Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Which which is funny because I, I do wonder, had these been the competitive games, I just I just have a feeling Fraser would have been in because <laughs> his club form in the last couple of months has been really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? I think he's taken a chance to set the standards, you know, that especially yeah. in the first team, you don't pick and choose when you come. You know, if you're called up, you come. Um, and as you say, it, it's maybe the fact that the friendlies is a perfect opportunity to, to kind of make a stand that isn't going to make that much of a difference. Whereas if it was yeah. a really important qualifier, then you would pick your best players regardless of all the other stuff. Yeah, it's a fair point. Fair point. And to finish off, guys, we'll have a look through the squad and just let me know who you want to see more from this week. Not necessarily to improve, but just who you want to see more of on the pitch for Scotland this week. So I suppose with the keepers, you've got to pick from Clark or Kelly. And then maybe in the defence, you've got Greg Taylor, Halkett and Hickey. The other guys are all well-established. In midfield, I suppose it would be Lewis Ferguson, maybe. Or even Kenny McLean doesn't start too many games, but maybe Lewis Ferguson. You'd like to see him afforded half an hour in one of the games. And then up front, Stewart and Brown. So who from that list of um, peripheral players, I suppose I could call them, would you like to see try and make an impression this week? Come to you first, Ben. It's a good question. I think I'd like to see Halkett because I want to see how, I want to see if he can make that step up, which is maybe selfish because I obviously see him a lot play for hearts, but we don't have an incredible amount of very solid centre-backs. I'd quite like to see if he could carry that form into the international stage. Um Gilmore, I'd like to see more of. I'm interested to see how he, how well he can play without having played a lot 
um, and especially for Norwich when they're struggling. I want to see if, if he can still reach the kind of levels that we know he can when he's not even playing that consistently for his club team, then we're really going to know how good a player Gilmore is. And my gut feeling tells me that he will still stroll it. I think that's I think that's just in his nature. Um, and I would like to see Stuart because, again, goal-scoring goal strikers we haven't always been blessed with. So if he could get a goal on his debut or get one in two, we can see maybe he's one that we can work with in the future. Gordon, your turn. Yeah, I think I think I'd certainly I'd concur with a lot of what Ben's got to say. I'd, I absolutely want to see more from Billy Gilmore because I just love watching Billy Gilmore play football for Scotland. Um, I think I'd like to see I'd like to see Liam Kelly play a game. Um, looking ahead to the future of the Scotland goalkeeper position, um, I'd love to see Aaron Hickey get a decent amount of minutes. Would be lovely to see Ryan Jack back in midfield for Scotland because we know how good he can be, and it'd be great. You know, he's he's come back into that Rangers team and just slotted in. It's like he's never been away. You know, bossing games against Borussia Dortmund. So Ryan Jack would be lovely, and yeah, up top, yeah, hopefully a decent amount of minutes for Brown and Stewart, and if we can get a goal for one or both of them, that would just be the perfect week. Yeah, and another quick word on just the guys that aren't involved but normally are, um, so that's Shutter who's come back into the fold, and Cooper, who are injured, so Scott McKenna. I'm actually starting to think I might owe Scott McKenna an apology. Um, I've been a, a vocal critic of his on this podcast and was in no, Very way, vocal. Form, in no way, shape or form convinced that he would go down and slot into life in the English Championship, but his team are doing really well. He's played just about every game this season, I think, for them. And now, that typical timing for him, he's out for a month with a hammy injury. Missed the Liverpool game in the FA Cup at the weekend for Forest, which is a shame for him. But you know, he even might end up in the English Premier League next season, and then I'll I'll be left with a red face. Um, so not good to see McKenna going down there and proving me wrong. Um, as far as the other members of the squads or the often members of the squad go, um, David Turnbull's just coming back from injury now. Um, doesn't have too many caps to his name, just four. But again, there are just minutes here and there and he's probably ruining the timing of this as well because I think if he was fit he would have probably got some game time um, under Steve Clark here and then we've touched on Fraser, uh, Kevin Nisbet, the other one is James Forrest not in the squad which kind of passed me by to be honest Gordon when the, the squad announced that James Forrest isn't in there Yeah I agree, I agree but I think if you look throughout this team there, there are just no wingers like we've 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 gotten to the point now that we're so established with this system that we're playing with the sort of three four three with you know wing backs providing the width and wide forwards who are more forwards than wingers that there is just no need for natural wingers in this system anymore and there are effectively none in the team. Yeah, Ben, is that not something that's going to keep you awake at night, Forrest? Because he's he's not the Forest of three years ago, and to be honest, the Forest of three years ago. Um, hasn't always brought that club form to international level anyway. Yeah, I think Forrest maybe has gone a couple of times as well because he can, he could maybe fill in in the right wing back position if we needed a more attacking option. But we have Patterson there now. So I think Patterson's emergence is kind of, that was the only other real reason for Forrest getting in was like his versatility. But we don't, with this system, we don't actually really need him to to be in there. So yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to be too too upset to not see him. It, it's strange to think that he might never play for Scotland again. Though, when you think the 
the sort of <laughs> career that he's had. But he may well never, he may well actually never play for the club for the, the country again. Yeah, Forrest is 31 this summer. Now, just looking at the, the rest of the, the squad, we don't have any outfielders over the age of 30. A couple are 30 right now. Uh, Kenny McLean, which also surprises me, to be honest. He's only just turned 30, though. And Ryan Jack also just turned 30 last month. Apart from that, uh, oh, you've got Grant Hanley, my mistake, who also recently turned 30. So, again, Clark keeping the numbers really down um, in terms of age. We've drafted in people like Andy Considine and uh, Paul McGinn's in his 30s as well recently. But, you know, it's a, a fairly young squad, um, plenty of room for growth in there. Um, so, yeah, good to see. And I suppose, as we always do, we'll get back and have a wee chat once the Poland friendlies out of the way. Maybe talk about what went right, what went wrong and what we'd like to see ahead of the game against... Uh, is it Austria or Wales um, next week? Do you preference? Do you preference? I don't know because... I, right. I don't think that... Oh, fucking hell. I, I, I don't want to say I don't think we could, but it makes me nervous to think we would have to go to Vienna and win again consecutive games, right? That mm-hmm. seems almost too good to be true, to win away from home to them twice in a row. But also, the Wales at home thing really unsettles me a bit, to be honest. I'm not sure who I'd rather have in the final and therefore who I'd rather have next week. Uh, I think my instinct says I'd rather play Wales in the final, so uh, Austria-friendly. Interesting, interesting. I think I'm probably the opposite to you. Um, I, yeah, look, obviously, this is this is all moot until we can have an opportunity to play Ukraine and have an opportunity to get past Ukraine. Um, but yeah, casting into the future, I, I don't know. I just there's something about Wales that I just they get results and I just don't know where they get them from. And it just they have this unbelievable team spirit, which I think is something that we are developing. I think we're getting there, but. I don't know, it's just them in Cardiff. They just seem to somehow always pull out incredible results. So I almost think better the devil, you know, let's go, let's go back to Vienna, let's do it again. What about you, Ben? I quite I quite fancy um Wales. I think I've, I think Bale is injured or certainly hasn't been playing um an awful lot. Yeah. He's up he's he's up he's up with the squad, but he, he missed the classical of the weekend injured. Yeah. Yeah. What? And and I'm not sure if it would actually be better for us to play them once and kind of get the measure of them and get that one out of the way, especially in a friendly when it's not there's not that much riding on it. You might actually learn a bit more from having played them. And especially if we could get a win, it might just give us a little bit of a mental edge going in to a potential final. Austria, Austria's squad is, is littered with just Bundesliga players. And that, that's the sort <laughs> of thing that scares me. I know I was, I was having a go at... Um, Poland's quality or not lack of but maybe it's not the the quality that maybe some people think it is but I mean Austria I've got players at Leipzig Hoffenheim Cologne Salzburg from Austria and fucking David Alaba at the back as well Jesus um, so yeah it, it's it is much of a muchness that's the but that, that's the field we're in now you know at least we're mixing it with these guys um, so yeah it's going to be going to be good and also there's the draw for the actual World Cup next week. So yeah. is that next week? So we will we will know if when, when the time comes for us to play Ukraine and potentially a final, we will know what is waiting as uh, what is waiting on us in 
the World Cup. Um, we're we're bottom seeds um, for it, unsurprisingly, same as we were for for the Euros. But um, yeah, we the, the draw for the actual World Cup is next week, and we are going to be in it. Um, whether we're actually at the tournament or not is another matter. But our our name is in the the pot for the World Cup draw. <laughs> Um, well, you I'm can actually, bet we'll I'm, get Brazil because <laughs> we oh, always man. get Brazil. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great to actually to be able to look at... It's going to be cool to actually look at a World Cup draw and visualise that this could actually be a real thing. Yeah. Not, a, well, not a hypothetical well, thing on an online simulator or whatever, but the act, well, an actual World Cup draw with our name in it. <laughs> do you know what? I mean, that, that could actually be the biggest motivating factor possible for the teams. Obviously, that, that's the only potential upside of having this this playoff semi-final postponed obviously we should have had the semi-final and final played before the draw but we won't so yeah the fact that the players can can re reconvene in june and know lads we get through these two games and we've got a game against argentina a game against south korea and a game against whoever in in the world cup that is the prize on offer like I know. If that doesn't get if that doesn't get you up in the morning, I mean, goodness me, you're, you're <laughs> in the wrong you're in the wrong profession. What what gets you up in the morning, Gordon? Uh, goodness me, um, just a uh, my alarm and a large <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm I'm having a look uh, online here to try and find the the pots, but I can't actually. It's not well. It, it it it's not officially been confirmed yet because they'll do the pots based on the world rankings after the playoffs. All right, but regardless, so they, so, so they will set the pots. We make regardless, not, yeah. the winner of the our playoff path will be pot four. Right, so right. they they know that for sure. But yeah, the 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 pots will be officially confirmed after these after this international break. Fair point. Didn't think of that. Okay, but still exciting though. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing who <laughs> we're paired with. Anyway. Um, but guys, that's been good fun. We'll get back together, I don't know, say Friday or over the weekend or something to talk about the Poland game uh, and have a look ahead to the friendly on the Tuesday night. Cheers. Superb. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.